0: For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.
1: Shop the biggest health and beauty brands in-store or online at the lowest prices every day at Chemist Warehouse.
0: Looking through red and black lenses, it's In The Red with Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball on SENZ. Yes, a very good evening. Welcome into SENZ. No, Ricardo Ball. You would have just heard his dulcet tones. Mark Watson sitting in for him. And I never, ever thought I'd be sitting here celebrating Crusaders rugby. A section called In the Red. I'm a blues man through and through, always have been. Justin Marshall, good evening. Welcome.
2: Good evening, Mark. Good evening, everybody. Joining us for Yes, Mark, In the Red. In the Red.
0: You know why I follow the Crusaders at the moment? Because I follow my Mount Albert grammar boy, Jack Goodyew. And yep. then we've got Cameron Brown, a good friend of mine, Ironman champion. His nephew, Corey Kellogg, is now in the Crusaders. So there you go. That's my connection.
2: There yep, he, he absolutely is. In fact, he's a good Lincoln Rams boy, which is uh, currently where my son is um, at Lincoln. So he's always making sure that he mentions when anyone from Lincoln gets a call up to Cannibal, the Crusaders, you've got to give them a shout out from the Rams. No, absolutely. Um, did you watch the golf this morning, Justin? Yeah, I did actually, Mark. I um, I tuned in this morning. Uh, I was really uh, enjoying watching Tiger, you know, albeit he he did end up, I think it was something like forty seventh. But just having him back and competing just lifts the vibe of a tournament, and um, that 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 kept me really interested in, in the general tournament. Uh, but yeah, it was good to see Rory McElroy finally produce some of the form that uh, he has done in the past, and um, yeah, it was really entertaining. It was great to see the Masters back.
0: Yeah, if you want to see if if you want to watch a metaphor for sports psychology, watch the back nine on the fourth day of a major.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I know it's so entertaining. There's all sorts of surges from people and then they put the ball in the water and it's it's quite emotional watching it, isn't
0: it? What's the best golf shot you've ever played, Justin? I'm going to put you on the spot here, mate. You must have one that you go, because people say "Oh, you you play golf and you say you're fluke. You go, well, hang on a minute. I hit that 60 foot part. I was aiming for the pin. Yes, it was a fluke, but it wasn't a fluke.
2: What's the greatest golf shot, mate? Uh, well I've, I've never managed to get a hole in one that's been very elusive uh, to me but when I did play uh, in the New Zealand Open uh, one of the years on the party hole where you're under massive pressure it's a, it's a par four but it's drivable uh, I did manage to drive the ball to within about six or seven feet of the hole which, uh, which was really good because everyone's drinking beers around there there's music <laughs> playing and I think that was just the environment that really suited me, to be honest, to be able to do it on that hole. <laughs> did, did, did you um, back it up really with the putter? And I went on to make par. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant.
0: Now, now let's, let's look back on the weekend. So 24-21, it was the Crusaders over the Hurricanes. Now, I spoke to you about a week ago on a Saturday when the Chiefs, I think, had just tipped up the Crusaders previously. And you mentioned a really good thing, that part of the reason why the Crusaders were beaten, because the Chiefs held the ball, they forced the Crusaders to tackle, tackle, tackle. Is that what the Hurricanes did on Saturday? Are people starting to figure this Crusaders team out?
2: Well, teams are making them make more tackles um, quite regularly. And the weekend before against the Highlanders, another game that got away from the Highlanders, but equally that the Crusaders had to double the tackle count of the Highlanders. It's happened to them with regularity throughout the season. And absolutely what you want to do with any sport is play with the ball. And, and, and when you play off the ball, you tend to dictate the game more. Now, what the Crusaders are very good at is defending. There's no doubt about that. The statistics back that up. Their tackle percentage is incredibly high. Um, probably at the weekend, that was the most tackles have ever, uh, ever, ever fallen off this season. They fell off 20, but they were still operating, I think, around 88%. So, you know, inevitably, that, that, that type of pressure and that type of, type of work you're having to do without the ball will wear you down. Um, But you've got to stay really resilient with the ball, and that's what the Chiefs did on that occasion um, to beat the Crusaders. Now, the Hurricanes, again, won all those stats, and they also had more time inside the Crusaders' 22, but they just weren't as effective enough at putting them away when they really had them scrambling.
0: so so what does Scott Robertson need to do then? If teams are starting to figure them out, you've just gone through the statistic. What are the work-ons for Scott Robertson? What does he need to do to change the game plan? Because he's not going to get out of jail necessarily against the Blues, who I think have probably got just a little bit more punching power than perhaps the Hurricanes.
2: Well, it's a good point you make. Now, another statistic out there for everybody to sort of digest is the fact that the Crusaders are the most kicking team in the comp. So they they kick the ball a lot. But what they do, do with that kicking is they, a lot of the time, get it back. So they retrieve their kicks. Or they kick accurately enough that they give the opposition no real option to counter-attack and they peg them in their own half or they force an error. So their kicking game, although it's the most in the comp, is very accurate. But what that is doing also is is a lot of the time handing the ball back to the opposition. I just think maybe their balance is slightly out of kilter at the moment and that's what's enabling teams to get into their rhythm and and to, to start phasing against them. And denying the Crusaders to play with the ball. Now, I'm sure you'll agree. W- when you see the Crusaders get into the right zones and then get into their pattern, they just have threats across the park. Mm. And 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 when Will Jordan gets into the game, when Listifying Anuku gets into the game, you know, in or you know, up front when Grace carries, when Matera carries, um, you know, they 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 look really really dangerous, and they and they have the ability to open a team up and they have ability to open the game up when they look like they were the team most under pressure, the team that was struggling and then bang, they strike, they strike and they hit the opposition so seamlessly with the ball. You're just thinking to yourself, why are you not playing with the ball more often and making these really tight games a little bit more comfortable.
0: Those players that you just mentioned, great attacking weapons, but you did also talk about the number of tackles they've dropped off. Is there a defensive lap somewhere there in the midfield? I mean, how much difference will a Jack could you make? I mean, what are they just lacking out wide defensively, or is it it more through the
2: middle? I think it's just a combination when they're getting desperate. Um, You know, what they are very good at is defending their line, and you need to be really patient inside that 22. What, what they are also very good at, the Crusaders, is they're very good over the ball at the ruck. They do contest that a lot. They do get a lot of turnovers. If they don't get turnovers, they have a good counter ruck. Um, I think I remember commenting on the game at the weekend where I, I complimented the Hurricanes for the work they were doing at the breakdown. I thought they were better, they were more effective. A couple of times they actually had players on their feet who drove, drove past the ball and, and knocked the Crusaders off. But the Crusaders obviously talked about that at half time because they were much more proficient and better at it than the Hurricanes in the second half. So you combine all of that with the tackles that they are having to make, and then the old one they're falling off, Mark. I don't think it's really specifically in one real era. I just think it's when you are making, you know, 20 tackles in a sequence, you are going to get the odd one wrong and fall off it.
0: So is quick ball the key to beating the Crusaders? Just put them on the back foot the whole time.
2: Yep, because they've got a good line. They've got a very good system. They've got good structure, uh, and, and look, they're, they're they're a threat across the board because they have players over the ball. Like we saw, Sebby Reese against the Highlanders get two very important turnovers. The week before, Will Jordan got three. I think I saw Enol got one at the got get one at the weekend. So the minute that you switch off against them, that they will hurt you and they will steal the ball back off you just when you're starting to think you've got the rhythm.
0: It is eight minutes after seven. You've just tuned in. You might be thinking that the Crusaders lost on the weekend. They didn't lose. <laughs> They're just a team that we expect so much from. So here we are just picking the nitty gritty, because let's be fair, they just haven't quite clicked yet. They're winning, but not maybe the way we expect them to win. Uh, this particular segment is called In the Red. Justin Marshall is my guest. It is eight and a half minutes after uh, seven. You're listening to SENZ. We'll take a break. Uh, former All Black, former Crusader Daryl Gibson on the programme next. I'm Mark Watson in for Ricardo Ball. This particular segment is called In The Red. My co-host is Justin Marshall. We are celebrating all things Crusaders rugby, which now brings us to our next guest who played 77 games for the Crusaders. Probably broke my heart as a Blues fan, Daryl Gibson. Good evening. Welcome. <laughs> evening, Jane. That little laugh suggests you did break my heart, didn't it?
1: Yeah, it's neat. been watching those old games sort of flashback and sort of... Um...
0: Oh, look, know, I, that,
1: that
0: reminds you of what was, was. Was the, Who was your halfback? Some guy, Marshall, wasn't there? And then there was Mayo, Hoffler and yourself. No, I love that era. I love that era. It was a, a wonderful time. Hey, hey, look, Daryl. what did you make of that Crusaders performance against the Hurricanes? Did you see a step up and improvement from the week before or are they sort of at the moment just a little bit, I don't know, not quite
1: there? Yeah, I, I would agree with that statement. I think um, Razor would be quite frustrated at the moment in terms of the inconsistency you see in his team. Yeah, you know, two two games, um, you know, three point margins. And both those games, Hollanders, um, hurricanes, you get the sense that they could have lost it at some point. The good news for Crusaders fans is they're still winning those those tight ones. But I guess um there's gonna have to be a marked step up in intensity this week from the Crusaders to match what we've seen from the blues this week.
2: Uh, Gibbo, I know that Ray's has obviously installed his mojo from the old school days, which is Something that he was always very passionate about, and, and you would have seen that as well when he was developing as a coach, which, which is defense. Um, and which is, you know, a lot of that is attitude. But does it does it worry you that the Crusaders are doubling the tackle count of most of the teams they're coming up against?
1: That's an interesting stat you've thrown at me there, Justin. Yeah, I'd, I'd say just overall impressions from defense, as it's been the hallmark of the Crusaders, you know, title winning. Uh, run over the last five years. And this year, as I was just saying, I think the, those trademark um, trademark identities we've seen for them are just not as potent and or consistent as what they have been uh, in the past. I just get that sense um, that you week-to-week, know, week, consistency is the Crusaders' issue around keeping those levels of performance as high as what they have been. Um, and then also on the defence, how easy it's been for them to concede tries. You know, I think one of the stats, certainly when I was, um, you know, coaching against the Crusaders, was it took six minutes on average to break the Crusaders' defence. You know, they did they, they had the best average of not conceding, whereas I'm not quite seeing seeing that this season.
2: In terms of the opposition, then, like considering they're getting more ball, so the Crusaders pretty much for most of the season with I think probably the Chiefs game as an exception uh, um, and possibly one Pacifica have lost all of those important stats so they're on the wrong side of the tackle stat, they're not winning possession and territory um, and they're, they're predominantly losing inside the 22 as well on attack, so goes to show you they're not playing with the ball, I just mentioned it to Mark, they're also the most kicking team in the comp and um, Do you suspect their balance is just slightly off that? Because they do kick accurately. That's the biggest problem. And they do retrieve the ball back a lot. But it's not enabling them to, to, I believe, get in in their rhythm and get to do what they are very good at, which is get all their bodies in motion, all their dangerous players attacking with the ball
1: in hand. Yeah, absolutely. I'd I'd agree with all that. Particularly, you know, you've got the the statistical, statistical evidence to back up what we're seeing in terms of the inconsistency just in those different areas that mm. have been the hallmark. And, you know, I think um, that, that'll be what's troubling Razor. Uh, and he's done an excellent job. He's starting to really bring through the, the good young talent that's coming through the team. Um, but you've seen in the past how a new person comes in and the standard or the performance level has been able to um, maintain. Um, the good news for him, he's still got an acre of talent to call on. You know, he's rotated his team really well. I imagine he's had an eye on just fixture in particular, which, you know, with the Blues performance in the weekend, taking on extra proportions in terms Mm. of uh, what's in store for us. So, uh, yeah, no, really fascinating part of the season. Um, But, yeah, interesting times.
0: Mm. Okay, I've got a question here, and I'll get you both to maybe answer, uh, answer this. You talk about worth I think, and we know how good Ethan Blackhat has been. Arguably, he's probably the best, I think, best six for the All Blacks at the moment. Probably surpassed Sam Kane. We can have that debate. But I want to talk about Tom Christie because he's an absolute workhorse. He's a wonderful player, uh, generally the highest in the tackle count. But we've seen this review of the All Black team when they're talking about more sort of ball-carrying forwards, particularly the tight five. Is he good enough to be an All Black with what we need to do going forward and trying to beat the French and the Irish and the Northern Hemisphere sides. Does he have the style of game that could make him an all-black? Daryl.
1: Christy, I think he's an excellent on-baller. You know, very much in the mould of, of um, at Matt Todd. Great worker. You know, as you say, he, he's topping the, the tackle count. Probably for me, it's the balance of the back row that will dictate whether he, he goes further in terms of this season. I think um, the All Blacks have got some you know, head stretching to do around. They know they've got to compete with Ireland in terms of physicality and size. So 100% I agree with you on Blackadder. Uh, he brings that raw sort of edge that the All Blacks need. Um, while they miss out on his ball carrying uh, ability, where he's probably shaded by someone like Frizzell, um, he is just that grunt, big body, um, and that's probably something the All Blacks need at the moment. The other interesting one for me will be Artie Savier. Now We've just seen him. He's probably the most powerful man going around in the comps. You can't mm. put him down. That's whether they play him as a seven or as an eight. And that will really dictate what, you know, how they feel about um, Peter Gus and whether he's done enough with a big body to um, force his way in as an eight. So um, it's probably, for me, Tom Christie going great. Workhorse but
2: how does he fit in the, the grand scheme of things? Yeah, look, I tend to totally agree with everything you said there. I think probably the one thing that I have noticed is we weren't noticing Tom Christie in the first two to three rounds and he was getting regular game time. But uh, what we did start to notice, so we, we started calling him the tackling machine because he is the tackling machine of the comp at the moment. And so it was like, oh, that's what he's doing. He's doing the unnoticeables. Last two games, started to see him carry in the outside channel a bit more. So I wonder whether or not, Mark, in answer to your question, he realises that he can't just be a fetcher and a tackler. And I think that's what we're looking for more in our loose forwards. We're looking for somebody that is better balanced. He has to carry hard as well and offload and pass and and draw defenders in and and free up space. So that's where his game needs to develop. And if he does that, then, you know, with all the other micro skills he got, he could come into the mix. I guess... Another area, Gibbo, that I wanted to chat to you about while we've got you is uh, this cluster of players that they've got in the midfield. I believe Jack Goodhue got through his um, club game at the weekend and he's probably going to be in the mix possibly for this weekend off the bench. Not sure. That might not eventuate, but he is very much due back. Where does he fit in? And who does he fit in for? Like I'll just run through these through you quickly. But Harvey Lee, Goodhue, find in a Nuku, Enor, and then you've got to find a space for Severu Reese, George Bridge. Shafi Haki, and we haven't <laughs> even mentioned Kenny or Waisaki Naholo, that are also in the squad. <laughs> How the hell do you
1: get all them in the same back line? Yeah, it's an embarrassment of riches, isn't it, when you, you list those names. I think, for me, um, the great thing about what we will see Friday night, Justin, is Razor will pick his best team, or what he considers to be his best team. Um, and for me, right now, I really like what um, Lester is doing. You know, every time he's, he, whether he's playing wing, or um, centre, he makes things happen. You know, he's that type of player. Um, What I'd love to see is him really tested defensively. I think the mark of any 13 and, you know, for Ione um, and anyone who wants to put up their hands for the All Blacks, now that um, Leonard Brown looks like he's out of action, is who's going to be the best defensive 13 uh, going around Mm -hmm. in the comp because it's such a pivotal role that we've, we've got a good defender. And if anything, any criticism of Rico Ione would always start with that. How's his defensive reads at 17? How's he going to stack up under pressure? Um, and that's, that's what I'd love to see. We know good use, a good reader of um, defense. And Braden is Eno, still working his way back into um, a regular, regular start. So, yeah, interesting selection this weekend.
2: All right, just quickly, the last little wrap-up. With your coaching um, experience and also your player experience and knowing the Crusaders, it, where, where, from what you've seen of the Blues and how they're progressing, where do they need to play well and and what, what area to, to beat them at the on Friday night?
1: Yeah, well, what we saw from the Blues is obviously a, a huge step up in intensity and physicality breakdown. You know, obviously, saw the blueprint from the Chiefs you know, Chiefs-Crusaders game and how to, how to um, win against the Chiefs. Um, I was impressed. I really think the Blues' um, intensity and everything about them looked really good. And you could see that this has been their test. Everyone's been talking about how they're going to get going against the Chiefs, how they're going to get the Crusaders. What we know about the Crusaders, big games, they're going to stand up. You know, they've shown that year on, year out. Where they've stood up and the test for the Blues will be in that type five. Can they you know razor or roll out the 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 gun pack this week? You know, and they're gonna get tested at scrum time. And more. And if um the blues can front up there, I think they've got the all all court game to match the Crusader. They've got a kicking game, you know, they've got the exact talent, that's whether they can hold up in that tight five. Um so for me, that's the area it will dictate the game. Sounds very cliche, <laughs> but uh, I think for this one, um, quite five
0: for me. That, Daryl Gibson, lovely to have you on the program tonight. Thank you for taking the time. Good man, all good. If you do want to text the show, by the way, double eight double three. This is in the red. My co-host is Justin Marshall. Um, Justin, I've just been told the last time the Blues beat the Crusaders, Benji Marshall was playing for the Blues. Oh, <laughs> that's a long time ago. It.
2: <laughs> was he really? Well, he was. isn't that interesting? And now, obviously, the Blues have got Roger. What? Two of us a Sheik. I don't know. No, I understand. Um, he's. I, underst-
0: I understand. There is a good chance he'll be on the bench this week. Is my understanding? Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. So isn't good. It? So, good. You, good you, know, you um, and um, yeah, good. You possibly back for the Crusaders and Roger back for the Blues. Uh, you
2: know. You, you know what was interesting, Mark, with that was, you know, there was always so much debate about where Roger was going to play. That was the same with Benji. Where are they going to play him? I don't think they really answered that question, but Leon has resisted in putting uh, him in the outside backs. Roger, two of us a check, and I think quite possibly he's he might have got that right.
0: Mm. I, 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 look, playing the Blues this week, we we know that the Blues are certainly a team on the improve. I, I, I want to talk about halfbacks, Mitchell Drummond. Mm. Um, or do or, or do you um, start with Bryn Hall? I followed Bryn from his days at St Peter's College. How how important is the style of halfback in regards to the opposition that you play? And what is the difference between those two? I mean, you know, most of us don't understand the subtleties of it.
2: There's a, there's a, there's a slight difference between the two of them. The, the distribution one is not massively. Uh, a focal point. I think both of them are very good. They get to the breakdown quickly. Um, Quite possibly Bryn's half a step or two just ahead of Mitchell Drummond. Um, But in saying that, Mitchell Drummond's support lines are slightly more aggressive. So when I say that, you know, he he is looking for that. You see him time and time again getting that last pass because the support lines are very good. So he's probably taking one or two steps away from the ruck at times to be that player. Whereas Bryn Hall, you don't often see him really scoring tries very often. He he goes directly at the breakdown just to get rid of it again, get rid of it again. So I think that's where there is that one or two second difference between the two. Um, I certainly think that in terms of kicking game, they're, they're reasonably similar. Um, look, it, it's it's much of a muchness to be perfectly honest. I think probably if I was looking at it in the way that they want to play the game, um, the areas they want to play the game and the tempo of the game, I certainly thought that when Bryn Hall came on at the weekend, their tempo went up a bit. Uh, So I kind of wonder whether or not they need to be getting that tempo earlier in the game and then bringing Mitchell Drummond on with his great support lines. He's got a slightly different running game where he challenges defenders and he's probably a a little bit uh, stronger up top. He does get over the ball a bit more at the breakdown. So, And that's when players are starting to fatigue. I'd probably gravitate that way, but it's a really tough one to call, mate. I think they're in a good position where they have two very good players both of them over 100 caps not a bad position to be in
0: okay i want to touch on the point that you made the other day that's made a few headlines and that's regarding the rolling wall um, kicking taking the line out from the 10 meter line and it's becoming very much a play for all super rugby sides when you look at the blues you look at the crusaders which of those Mm. two teams is best at executing it which of those two teams is best at defending it
2: well, the Crusaders are definitely best at defending it, um, I think, because they uh, they just have that experience in that pack, particularly in that tight five. You know, All Blacks that have been in that situation before, who who are very well aware, who have confidence to compete. Like what happened with the Hurricanes, like that's a real ballsy call to compete when the game's on the line there from Scott Barrett and, and cause the mayhem that he did. Regardless of what we think of that, and moving forward, it took a lot for the Crusaders to do that. The Blues, however, have. Um, really developed their more this year, and with Kurt Eklund at the back, if he can get in control of it, he's very um, Dixon-like, Ash Dixon-like, where he he stays patient and he, he he strikes at the at the right moment. But Cody Taylor is very similar to that mm. as well. So I think it will boil down to who's best at defending that rolling more when it gets into that 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 zone and in that position, who who you know can. Um, make sure that they shut the opposition out and frustrate that hooker having to make him do something different than just march his way to the try line. Really interesting at the weekend, I saw both sides in that five metre zone um, when it looked like they're all set, both of them set to draw uh, drive, this was Hurricanes and Crusaders went off the top ball from that area and hit their midfielders, I think they hit the Crusaders hit Enor and then they scored in the corner a ruck or two later and equally the uh, Hurricanes hit Geordie Barrett when they all looked set to drive so I think innovation and, and not um, leaving the defensive side assured of what you're going to do will help as well.
0: With such, just finally, Justin, with such small percentages, though, between the two sides, are we just going to see a side maybe take the three points on offer? <laughs> well, yeah. That would be nice, wouldn't it? I'd be happy if we just took night three points all night. And I'm talking sorry, you've talked from a Blues point of view. I know this is a Crusaders celebration half hour, but yeah.
2: yeah. No, no, absolutely. Look, I think that the, the law and the confidence of the players at the moment, no, they know they can kick to that zone. Um, and be successful at either winning another penalty or scoring. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they start taking their threes in a big big game mm. like this. It's got test match proportions about it.
0: OK, just finally, where will it be won, though?
2: I agree with Gibbo. I think that um, that battle up front, uh, that's where the Crusaders will really look to arm wrestle the Blues. They won't want them to get any par- any parity. They won't want to give the every front foot ball to unleash that very dangerous back line with Bowden uh, Barrett controlling it. I think they'll look to suffocate the game and and squeeze them up there. Whoever wins that will go a long way to winning the game.
0: Justin Marshall, it's been a privilege and a pleasure as always.
2: Thanks, Mark. And uh, thanks for everybody out there for listening to In The Red. Looking forward to uh, the game on Friday night.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do check out that five past seven Friday night live on Sky Sport. And I imagine it's uh, it's Justin Justin commentating that. Are you commentating that, Justin? Yes, I am. I'll be there. I'm
2: looking forward to it. I tell you what, it's going to be a belter of a game. Big crowd too, probably, with it being... Easter Friday, I believe.
0: Just mention Jack. Good, you man a bit grammar for me, will you? Okay, there we go. <laughs> okay, we'll take it. And I've got Feder Alatini in studio. He knows I'm a mags boy through and through. Uh, so that is the end of In the Red. We're going to take a break here on ECNZ. Telephone number is 0800 Up next, it is Pacific Flare. We are talking Moana Pacifica.